Hello and welcome to The Short Squeeze, a podcast about what's happening in financial markets in the coming week. I'm Lucy Battersby, editor of Markets Live, a daily live blog on the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age websites. In this episode, we'll take a quick look at the economic data, catch up on what's happening in the GameStop short squeeze over the past week. We'll talk about something we don't talk about often enough, salmon prices, and we'll take a look at what's happening with dividends in the half-year results season. Today, I'm joined by the other Markets Live editor, Alex Druce. Good morning, Alex. G'day, Lucy. How are you going? Good, thank you. So as it's the start of the month, the economic data is pretty light to start with. We've got uh, NAB's business survey for January coming out on Tuesday. Uh, This index tumbled a bit in December um, when Sydney went into a COVID lockdown. Um, And the January figure is expected to be pretty flat because, frankly, January was, was pretty mixed in relation to COVID as well. People were still opening up gradually. And then the following day is consumer confidence, which was at a five-year high in December and then softened in January. I wanted to mention that um, there's a few things happening with Centrelink, which might be affecting consumer confidence. A debt repayment holiday ended on the 1st of February, and a lot of the extra help that was offered to clients during the pandemic uh, will actually end on 31st of March. So anyone who lost their job and hasn't found a new job is going to be in for a very difficult time because the COVID supplement will be gone by the end of next month. Uh, we've also, uh, last week we saw ANZ job ads were still growing, but the rate of growth has slowed down. And I also noticed, I wanted to mention last week that retail sales in December actually dropped 4.1%, which is extraordinary for Christmas, but uh, the presumption being that everyone actually did their Christmas shopping in November. And then so all the spending was in November and, and not in December. Alex, have you, do you know what the big data points are going to be from overseas this week? Yeah, as you mentioned, Lucy, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit more activity overseas. Uh, it looks like on uh, Wednesday in the US, which I'm guessing would be Thursday morning our time, we've got a speech by the US uh, Fed. Um, uh, also on uh, Wednesday overseas in the US, we've got consumer prices, wholesale, wholesale inventories and the monthly budget statement. Um, later on in the week over in America, we've also got the, the weekly jobless claims coming out. Um, so yeah, it's a, a little bit happening overseas uh, this week, Lucy. Okay, thanks very much. Last week, we talked about the GameStop short squeeze um, or Reddit-induced mass trading frenzy, however you want to describe it. Uh, We want to keep track of this story because it's quite amazing um, and it's not over yet. Alex, I'll I'll just mention a couple of things that I've noticed that have happened over the last week and then um, ask you to to see what what you've picked up as well because there's just so much going on, it's very hard to keep track. One of the things was that a lot of the Redditors, I noticed, have been saying that they've switched from uh, Robinhood, the free trading platform, to Fidelity because they were so angry that Robinhood wouldn't let them buy the stocks. Um, and they also found out that Robinhood was getting payment for order flow, which means that they were selling information about what trades were going on. And that was why trading was free, because Robinhood was making money in other ways. But all the re- trading restrictions that Robinhood had introduced have now been lifted. Uh, the how in the US in politicians, the House Financial Services Committee is going to have a hearing on this event on Thursday, 18th of February. That's next week. And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen met with financial market regulators last week 
in particular they're taking a very close look at that trading with zero brokerage because of what everyone has realized Robinhood was doing and whether or not that allows for a free-flowing market. Alex, do you have anything to add about what's what you've noticed about the flow-on effect in the past week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as we talked about last week, um, the, the real interest for this story for me is that it's not so much about economics and markets um, as it is about psychology, politics and culture. Um, and that's still lingering even as I know the, the frenzy uh, cools down a bit. I mean, GameStop uh, actually picked up a little bit, the, the, the company on Friday in US trade. Um, I think it closed at about $63, $64, but that's down from you know, $325 the previous week. So that's that's cooled off a little bit. Um, I think we did see during the week as well, um, uh, attentions focus on different uh, commodities. Uh, I think silver was a, was an attempted uh, squeeze there at some point during the week. So it was interesting to see how that plays out. And I guess for me, waiting and watching this situation, you know, the, the debate rages uh, about I guess the core of this this push um, against uh, hedge funds and the you know Wall Street elite, however you want to call it, um, you know where it's how it's going to manifest going forward. Like where where is it going to pop up? I mean, it's popped up before; it'll keep keep coming. Um, yeah, where where are we going to see the, the retail traders uh, focus their attention next? I think is probably one of the most uh, interesting things for me. Uh, going forward, Lucy. But I'm also interested in hearing uh, what you think about, uh, I guess, some of the commentary around this this whole issue. I know um, uh, we ran a few pieces in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age over the past couple of days. What we're seeing from people like uh, Stephen Bartholomew and uh, Sarah Dankett, their, their columns were very, uh, uh, very good in warning people that, you know, it's it's not all about people having the best intentions, I guess, even if they're involved in this uh, this push. You know, everyone might not be who they seem and there are bad faith actors in amongst uh, this crowd of retail traders who are, I guess, muddying the water a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned that piece by Sarah Dankett and we should include a link to it um, somewhere where, where our podcast is posted so people can read it if they haven't already. But she, she mentioned um, that regulators actually pay very close attention to trading discussions on social media sites. Uh, the, and there's also a concern that, um, so they're concerned that actors might be pumping up the, the prices for, the, for their own gain, the, you know, the good old pump and dump. But she also mentioned that in 2020, so much changed and regulators might be behind the eight ball now because not only did you have this huge influx of retail traders, but you also had the people that they ordinarily monitor in the workplace were suddenly working from home. And so they won't have access to as many um, phone records and conversations as they would normally have access to as part of general market oversight. So there's a lot of different factors going on and it's very hard to, to even get to the bottom of it. I don't know if this, this story has a bottom. <laughs> we as journalists always try and get to the bottom of the story, but I don't, I don't think there is one here. Alex, was there anything else um, you wanted to mention before we move on? Just that I think um, uh, Stephen Bartholomew really uh, made a great point um, in his his piece. He's saying that you know this situation, uh, well, he sees it as an aberration and less of a spreading revolt, I guess, against Wall Street and its hedge funds. Um, you know, they've the hedge funds have been burned here. Obviously, they've they've felt the pain, but. Um, 
you know, Stephen says that, you know, the sector will obviously avoid shorting illiquid stocks, you know, where their positions might make them a target for coordinated retail investor attacks. Um, and yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how the, the battle rages going forward. All right. Thanks very much. And welcome back. In this half of the podcast, we like to talk about topics that catch our eye. Now, I was drawn to a flurry of reports that came out from and about the salmon industry during the week. Uh, You'd normally hear nothing about it, so I don't often think about the salmon industry, but there are two listed companies on the ASX, Hewan Aquaculture and Tassel. Uh, Last week, Hewan issued a profit warning um, and potential impairment in its half-year results and an asset write-down. This is due to a sustained drop in global salmon prices. Funnily enough, the domestic price is actually holding up, so you won't see a lot of change in salmon prices at the market or in the supermarket. Hewan's stocks closed on Friday at a six-week low of $2.63. We don't know uh, how big the write-down is going to be at this point. Like a lot of producers around the world, um, Tassel and Hewan are actually producing quite a lot of fish, and that's the problem. Hewan also had a difficult first half because they had some fish losses. Uh, This was due to their pens melting and a tear in their nets. And they also uh, discovered a fish stealing ring at their factory in Sydney. Globally, uh, salmon prices are at a six year low. At the moment, companies are getting about $11.50 per kilo of fish uh, gutted and head on uh, once they're in the foreign market that they get to. So that price includes freight and transit and everything. And also fewer international flights mean it's a lot harder to get the fish overseas. Normally they'd be able to put a couple of cases in some of those passenger planes going around the world. And the federal government is actually coming up with a plan to get some more flights into the air for Australian exporters. Now salmon prices might recover in a year's time. So in 2023, it depends actually on Chile's production. Chile is one of the largest salmon producers in the world. Norway is actually the largest. Uh, And it all depends on how much they produce because there is weaker demand around the world due to um, restaurants being closed and generally people not being able to go out as much. Alex, guess what I had for dinner last night? Lucy, did you have chicken for dinner? (laughs) I had salmon. (laughs) And what's on uh, your radar? You said you might want to talk a little bit about the kind of dividends we'll see in the upcoming half-year reporting season. Yes, and uh, one dividend in particular, I think, and that's uh, Commonwealth Bank. That's the big one this week. Lucy, as earnings season heats up, um, you know, last week we had some quite impressive results really at Amcor, Pinnacle and REA Group uh, delivering surprisingly strong numbers to kick the season off. This week it really does ramp up um, you know in no particular order you've got the likes of Boral, James Hardy, Suncorp, IAG, AGL, AMP, Transurban and Telstra so they're, they're kind of the big ones uh, but as I mentioned before the centerpiece will be Commonwealth Bank uh, on Wednesday. Um, Now, investors are hopeful that the bank will be cranking up its dividends uh, and that it will reveal lower bad debt charges. Um, uh, Clancy Yates, our our banking reporter, uh, he says it's one of the, probably the most anticipated result this earnings season. Um, uh, The market's expecting cash profits of about 
3.9 billion from continuing operations, um, but the focus will be uh, on how much it does raise its dividend. Um, you know, after the banking regular regulator uh, lifted the cap on dividend payments, um, which were restricted last year due to the uh, COVID economic shock. Now, the consensus, Lucy, uh, among analysts is for Commonwealth Bank to pay an interim dividend of $1.45. And that's still lower than last year's interim dividend of $2, but a significant lift on the $0.98 payment from the June half. So that's on Wednesday, and we'll be watching that one closely for commentary, not just on the bank itself, but the wider economy. All right. Thank you very much. This has been The Short Squeeze, a podcast produced by The Age and Sydney Morning Herald. You can follow daily stock market news on our live blog. Feel free to subscribe to this podcast via your podcast platform and you can catch us again next week.